Blaze Radio Network. And now, Reform This with Dr. Sudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Hope you're all having a good week. It's great to be back with you. To all my Muslim friends out there, I hope you're having a spiritually fulfilling month of Ramadan, fasting, reflection, atonement. And, uh, you know, this is the part of the month that uh, starts to uh, really develop character as uh, we're a little over 10 days into Ramadan. I want to talk to you this week about a couple things. Uh, One uh, fascinating uh, uh, case in which, you know, I'm not a fan of cancel culture, but sometimes when companies get it wrong and they correct it, it's a good thing. And we'll talk about Geico and Linda Sarsour. Then we'll also talk about three, two or three agents that were revealed to have been spies for Iran that had infiltrated the Secret Service, and what can we learn from that? So a lot going on. We'll put a pause on uh, the Ukraine conversation. You remember our last podcast, I talked to you about jihadis that were making their way through uh, the Ukrainian battle on both sides uh, as Russia invaded Ukraine and violated their territorial integrity. Um, But uh, that's to follow up for another day. You know, this story, finally, we have some good news. And what do I mean by good news? Well, the radical, the Islamist separatist, Linda Sarsour, who uh, was so radical, even the Women's March booted her off in, I think, 2017 or 18, was uh, found herself a little bit of hot water. She had been um, designated to speak about Middle Eastern and North African heritage to the employees of Geico, the second largest auto insurer in the country. And sure enough, it's not surprising. There was, uh, uh, as she was announced to be the guest speaker, there was a significant amount of backlash that developed. And Geico, to their credit, dismissed her, canceled the whole event. And um, at this point, you, you sort of say, well, how does this differ from other cancellations? Well, first of all, she was not being billed simply as a speaker about Palestinian activisms or, or uh, radical, um, you know, her radical agenda. She can have free speech to do that as much as she wants. You remember, let, let me remind you a little bit about who Linda Sarsour is. While she's had a lot of covers for her work uh, about an organization about Arabic diversity and other things, uh, the, the bottom line is that Linda Sarsour was not only co-chair of the Women's March and was dismissed from that because of how anti-Semitic and radical her ideas are, but she also is a, a, a prominent supporter of the BDS movement, the, the, the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions movement. And what is that? That's a movement that basically is seeking not only to boycott Israel, but economically destroy it. So to anyone who's talking about her being a peace activist, the, the mission of BDS is to destroy and end the state of Israel. She believes in a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that basically does away with Israel and where a 
Palestinian majority of what she sees as the solution then would take over. Now, also, she's had a, a too numerous to count here quotations that uh, uh, demonstrate her anti-Semitism and disdain for the Jewish community uh, and bigotry that she has. So she's the last person that should be talking about equality and inclusion and diversity. And just a few years ago, in 2017, in the summer, she gave a speech at the Islamic Society of North America in which, in which she talked about Muslims needing a jihad in America. Yes, jihad in America, like they were doing in the Middle East, revolution after revolution, she compared it to. And she, compl- she said that it was our duty as Muslims, and she said this to the largest Islamic organization in America, that it was our duty as Muslims to fight against Islamophobia and bigotry and just like the revolutions. Now, she compared the Trump administration at that time to revolutions against ruthless Arab tyrants across the Middle East. Now, if that's not absurd, I don't know what is. And the absurdity of it is she also gave similar. It's not the first time that she did that. She did that, I I believe, uh, from the White House and elsewhere, as she was then dropped by the Bernie Sanders campaign, by the Biden campaign, and others because of her inability to uh, have any introspection and understanding of how anti-Semitic her language is, how her discussions and, and conversation about Israel are purely anti-Semitic. It's it's one thing to talk about disagreeing about policies within Israel. It's another to basically help lead a movement that wants to destroy it. So the bottom line is, is when you look back at Geico, we I think this is it's it's a really important moment to talk about what do we mean by cancel culture. Cancel cultures in which Things in, that somebody might have said 30 years ago, 20 years ago, in which they have since dismissed and since changed, since reformed, then caused them to be canceled for no reason. Or they're speaking to universities about their own ideology that they're actually explaining, that they, are, uh, they have owned it, and they're, they're talking about uh, the movement, the platforms that they have, versus somebody who might be supposedly under the air of diversity. Remember, she's speaking about North African and Middle Eastern heritage, which includes the Christian Arabic community, which are a majority of Arabs in America. By the way, over 70% of American Arabs are of Christian uh, religion, of the Christian faith. Jewish faith includes uh, a number of the American Arabs, and also uh, then a minority are the Muslim community. And then also she's talking about Muslim culture for the remainder of the Arabic population. And that culture uh, is is about food, music, ethnicity, diversity, language, history. Uh, Sure, it includes the Palestinian community, but somebody who basically is on the uh, lead agenda of Muslim Brotherhood legacy groups in America is hardly one to really objectively talk about American Muslim history, uh, American Arab, Arab American history. And, you know, what's fascinating is look who's come to her defense. CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, 
then put a press release that said 60 organizations have come to her defense. And other than one sort of outlying far leftist extreme Jewish organization that seems to side with the Muslim Brotherhood groups, uh, the rest were simply a who's who in Islamist Muslim Brotherhood legacy organizations. And sure enough, Qatari media, Middle East Eye, which is a Islamist sympathizing network that tries to cater to English-speaking Arab diaspora, if you will. Their headline said, Geico drops Linda Sarsour as a diversity speaker after outrage from pro-Israel groups. Oh, pro-Israel groups. Um, no, it was from groups that are set to fight anti-Semitism, groups that believe in diversity and equity, groups that understand the difference between hate radicalism and actual simply policy and ideological diversity. And this is the issue with Islamists, the who's who of organizations that included the Islamic Circle of North America, the the uh, Islamic Society of North America, Council on American Islamic Relations, etc., were basically organizations that are part of the Muslim Brotherhood legacy group. Muslim Brotherhood are Islamists that when it comes to American ideas, liberalism are separatists. They, they don't uh, adhere to a belief that the ideal system of governance is a secular liberal society, but rather they see themselves as a minority here who follow the laws of the land, but do not, do not believe if Muslims are a majority, it should remain that way, but simply become an Islamic state, as we saw with the Muslim Brotherhood, what they did in Egypt and what they're trying to do around the world. So if you look at the letter, the letter that was signed by CARE. It basically says, quote, after Geico announced that Sarsour was scheduled to speak at an event celebrating Middle Eastern North African history, anti-Palestinian and anti-Muslim organizations attacked both Sarsour and the company, which then canceled the entire event and accused Sarsour of practicing hate and exclusion. In a joint statement of 60 civil and human rights organizations, oh, 60 civil one or two of them were basically non-Muslim and the rest were Islamist Muslim Brotherhood legacy groups that include either Arab Islamist groups or Diobandi type uh, uh, Indo-Pakistani Islamist groups. They said, we strongly condemn Geico for bowing down to the anti-Muslim and anti-Palestinian hate groups, canceling an event meant to celebrate National Arab American Heritage Month and smearing one of our nation's most prominent and impactful activists. Oh, really? Smearing? They simply repeated what she said. She called for a jihad in America. And if you look, I'll tell you, as somebody, you know, listen, as somebody who, who loves my faith and, and is dedicated to the reform against political Islam and the Islamic State concept, Linda Sorsour epitomizes almost, she checks every box of how our communities are radicalized across the country. They're jihadization of the ideas where she called for jihad and she says, oh, it was nonviolent jihad. But basically she compared it to the violent revolutions in the Middle East against tyrants, against those who truly deserved Syria, Libya, uh, um, Egypt, truly deserved a, a civil war because of how how much oppression and repression existed and how little freedoms they had to 
to express themselves and what kind of open air prisons they lived in and continue to live in. But you compare that to the country that is her nation, America with our constitution, she called for a jihad. She has no insight into what the BDS movement is and, or she does, but she tries to dissimulate it and pretend it's a peaceful ideological battle when in fact it's an organization focused on the economic destruction of Israel. And her commentary about what happens in Israel and, and her commentary about the Jewish community is, is, is truly anti-Semitic. And these letters, the support from the Islamist group proves, proves that it's not about diversity. It was about her developing or trying to reshape her platform as when she was running the Women's March, even the Women's March that included folks from the Black Lives Matter movement that had supported the radical anti-Semitism of Louis Farrakhan that she never criticized. So if you want a clinic in anti-Semitism, look at the radical ideas pushed by the likes of the supporters of the Nation of Islam and Louis Farrakhan. And Linda Sarsour supported that and has, has never condemned it and never come out on record as separating herself from the ideas and the anti-Semitism of the Nation of Islam. So for once, I wouldn't even call this under cancel culture. I think that what happened to Linda Sarsour being canceled by Geico is an example of how companies can right themselves. Companies can, through negligence and incompetence, pick the wrong people to speak and realize, oh, my God, when they did a Google search, how could we brand Geico with the brand of a activist who is a separatist, who is an Islamist, who is an anti-Semite, who is a jihadist, and who has pushed the margins of appropriateness to the point of radicalization in which her ideas might be reported to be nonviolent, but when it comes down to it, are ideas that will begin to push the American Muslim and Arabic community down the pathway of radicalization. So thank you, Geico, for waking up. I'm sorry you had to have the incompetence that caused this kerfluffle, but the kerfluffle between Sarsour and Geico, I think, is very educational about how Companies can once in a while get it right. And no, it is actually bigoted to the Muslim community to think that people like Linda Sotosur should be speaking for our community. It is bigoted to think that we can't find more objective, rational voices from within our community who can talk about being Arabic, can talk about being Muslim, Christian, Jewish, without invoking conspiracy theories and invoking a hatred towards a minority like the Jewish community without invoking a supremacism like they do in the support of groups like Hamas. The the Islamist media and Middle East Eye and others talked about her being a Palestinian who was discriminated because she was kicked out from doing this education. But her Palestinian activism isn't about her Palestinian culture, no. It is about her support of the BDS movement. Remember when she went with Ilhan Omar to Israel, they were, I think, well, actually it wasn't her, it was Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, but uh, they were initially detained because the BDS movement is not a necessarily peaceful movement that wants to peacefully see Israel change. It wants every country to strangulate its economy. 
and they never recognize the the wonderful things that come out of Israel with cancer research and and uh, the largest number of startups of any country in the planet when it comes to technology and other new technologies. So, Geico, thank you for getting it right. Thank you for remembering that the American Muslim community, the American Arab community is not monolithic, that we are truly diverse. And thank you for not letting Islamists indoctrinate your employees into believing that we are all face first uh, Islamists and that everyone else isn't. Remember, the Linda Sursurs of the world like to say that the Muslim reform movement leaders are not real Muslims, that they're somehow marginal, um, too liberal. And then, isn't that bizarre that these so-called feminists think we're the liberal ones, when in fact they're the ones that use identity politics to exploit the conversation about political Islam? In this next segment, I wanted to talk about this unbelievable story that I can't believe isn't being covered more across the media. And now it's been widely reported uh, initially as a, as a one-minute, three-minute story. But the bottom line is, is there's a lot more to this that should make your hair stand. Two fake homeland agents, one with ties to Pakistani intelligence and multiple Iranian visas, spent 18 months infiltrating and buying gifts for Jill Biden's Secret Service detail and luxury in a luxury D.C. building where they all lived and partied. The Daily Mail reported, as did a number of other news outlets, Fox News, ABC, AP, Haider Sherali, 35 years old, and Eriyan Tahrizadeh, 40 years old, were arrested last week for impersonating federal agents with the Department of Homeland Security. Impersonating federal agents with the Department of Homeland Security to the point where the judge when he was listening to this, said he could not believe his ears. The duo claimed to be involved in an investigation into the January 6th Capitol attack. I stopped there because you look at, especially one party, how they've been focused obsessively on a riot that happened in January 6th. While we ignore every other riot in the country that destroyed buildings from Portland to to Chicago and New York and Atlanta and elsewhere. No, that those were not really investigating and half of those people got off without problems. But now everybody that took a breath on January 6th, understanding how horrific that incident was and what happened to our Capitol. I was a doctor at the Capitol and as a Naval officer and I understand, and I was actually a doctor when, when an act of terror happened and, and Russell Weston Jr. shot his way into Tom DeLay's office. So uh, I, I know terrorism at the Capitol head on. But was January 6th really terrorism? Was it an insurrection? We'll see what the report finally comes out, but the amount of resources that we've spent on that And now it turns out that even the investigators, because of how much how much resources were being dumped into it, were penetrated by what appears to be Islamist radicals. Agents with the FBI, NCIS, and the USPIS swarmed several floors and units of the luxury apartment building called Crossing DC in the Southeast Washington DC. Former representative of that building, 
who worked at the building since the start of Tarzadis lease, confirmed that none of the units were even being paid for. When asked why they were not paying any rent on the units, the individuals responded with one word, government. So not only were these two living there, they weren't even paying any rent. And they were getting cozy with a number of the other agents as they worked themselves, not only through Homeland Security, but Secret Service and others. The Tishman Spire-owned building cooperated with Tarzad and Ali, believing the guys that they were federal agents. Building management, the sources alleged, provided the duo with access to surveillance cameras and codes to access all doors in the building. So they said they were having an operation. They didn't have to pay any rent while they wormed their way in. Remember, the Federal of the Building Management sent an email to tenants 1130 on Thursday claiming the FBI concluded its search overnight and is no longer on the premises. They were arrested. The two men were arrested on Wednesday last week in D.C. attempting to cozy up to secret agents, and they could face conspiracy charges after spending their year and a half living in a luxury apartment building allegedly posing as federal agents. They tricked the owners. They tricked the government. And where's our protections? I'm going to put a marker here because I've talked to members of Congress, Senate, and House at length in the past about why we need to vet for Islamist sympathies. Just like we had spies in the Cold War that were that were working with the Soviets, the Cold War today is not only the one now growing over China and Russia, but the one with the Islamists and the OIC, the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, and the countries of a, a, an ever-growing and changing axis of evil from Iran to Syria to, to uh, a number of countries that are frenemies, if you will. And as the reports laid out, the question remains, what were their motives? We don't know yet. They were impersonating government agents. They had tons of money, were able to endear themselves to agents that were protecting Jill Biden and others. And they endeared themselves by, by, by lavishing these other friends that became close friends with wealth. They ingratiated themselves with multiple other Secret Service agents. And it is just mind-boggling that the amount of access that they had. They found multiple firearms. These guys were idiotic enough to post. They were idiotic enough to post in a, I don't know if it was a Reddit or I think it was a Quora forum, about what type of weapons the Secret Service has. And sure enough, they had it and they were experts in it. They had been found in their units to have a Glock 19 9mm with high-capacity magazines, fully automatic suppressed M4-style rifle, AR pistol, and a Sig Sauer handgun. And he, showed, and he bragged about them, and they showed them to their friends. There are pictures in media, pool parties they had with other agents, faces whited out. It's just mind-boggling. You look at the subpoena, affidavit of criminal complaint and arrest warrants in which a special agent for the FBI 
reported how he began to investigate violations of secret access, impersonations, and others that Arian Tahrizadeh and Haider Ali did. And, you know, I, I have, not that anybody does, but as a former naval officer, I, I cannot tell you how significant my antipathies and my hate for those who commit acts of treason against this country are. And I hope we throw the full, the full barrel of the Department of Justice at these two. But all I can tell you is wake up, ladies and gentlemen. This is a reminder that as President Biden is now negotiating, it's, it's interesting. Recent reports show that as we are supposedly trying to economically strangulate the Russians, Putin, from being able to continue to fund the invasion of Ukraine, we are negotiating with Iran for a nuclear deal in which it's sure to put billions back in the pockets of oligarchs and the Putin friends, that that's part of the deal. So either the Biden administration thinks we're a bunch of idiots or they just really don't care. It's all about show and window dressing and it's not really about the reality. I, I don't know what it is. And it's sort of similar to Obama administration, in which sometimes it was like the frat boys from Harvard who didn't know what was going on in the State Department to save them. Or it was folks that were just completely, because of Valerie Jarrett, completely, and others, completely compromised as far as their antipathy for America and, and wanting to appease foreign countries like Iran. There's no explanation. So, you know, as we see the, the gutting of our defense, the end of modern funding programs for new weapon systems, a continued excess pressure put on staffing and weaponry in our defense department, decreased resources put into vetting, and you add on top of that a woke culture in which our military, as I talked to you last time, is, is now spending more time on diversity, equity, and inclusion rather than actually focusing on the threats and, and, and the things that they should be spending 99% of their time on versus decreasing it from 80 to 60 to 50%. We're becoming more and more vulnerable. And back to what I told the House and the Senate multiple times, why can't we vet against Islamists? This isn't about political correctness and, and the religion of Islam. There's a difference. To those of us who get it, there's a difference between being an Islamist that supports a political movement like the Muslim Brotherhood or the Khomeinists if you're Shia, Muslim Brotherhood if you're Sunni, the Diobandis if you're a Sunni and the Pakistani, whatever it might be around the world, there are Islamist movements that are incompatible with America and are separatist movements. And then there are devotees of the faith of Islam in which it's a personal pietistic faith that is can be at harmony with being an American. But the, the inability to ask these questions and vet, just like we vetted against communism and extreme socialism 
in the folks coming in the 20th century during the Cold War, we should be able to do that today. And the fact that we don't is is a huge liability. And I think this recent nabbing of the two, we'll only wait and see how much harm they've done. Will we know? we got to follow the story to see what harm they've done. There were, there were a number of other Secret Service agents that have been put on leave, administrative leave, I think six or so, so far, um, in addition to these two that are now thankfully behind bars. When you have a federal judge that tells you that he's just besides himself and how, how unbelievable these charges are, makes you think that there may be others like him. God forbid. But we'll continue to work on it. We'll continue to to tell you more about the story as I hear more. But Iran is one of the top threats to this country. And remember, one of them was of Pakistani origin. And I'll remind you, during the Obama administration, remember there was the Pakistani uh, uh, American IT company that was found to have uh, done a lot of IT work for the U.S. Congress and U.S. Capitol that included access to a lot of privileged data. They're behind bars, but we haven't heard much about their story and where that data went, have we? Again, Pakistan's thought to be a friend, but their Islamic Republic is an unmitigated disaster. Even in 2010 or something like that, when he went in to get bin Laden under the Obama administration, we didn't even tell the Pakistani government, that we were going in to do that because they are no friend. They're an Islamic Republic. And by the way, other news, Imran Khan is now gone with a no-confidence vote. Essentially, that's probably a good thing, but I don't know what's coming next. We'll see. But he was definitely not good for any type of modernization, reform, or anti-Islamist hope when it comes to the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. These threats are from any of the OIC countries. You remember last year, the shooting that happened at the Air Force Base was a Saudi soldier that was being trained by us. And the Saudi said, oh, we don't know how, how he got through our vetting system. We really vet them so well, really. Um, okay, well, your, your military basically gets trained in jihad now. They're shifting to be more nationalistic Saudis versus jihadi Islamists. But still, it's an Islamic state. The Quran is their constitution and their legal system is Wahhabi interpretations of Sharia. We'll see what MBS is doing, but he's moving in a ruthless mechanism that is impossible really to support from a humanitarian perspective. You see them making changes in reform, but the bottom line is it's not a surprise when you have a radical that opens opens fire and terrorizes and kills supposed fellow soldiers that he was being trained by in Florida. So keep your eyes open. The threat is still, still quite significant, and we'll continue to follow it here on Reform This to remind you all what needs to be reformed, how we reform it, and what are the steps to do that. So God bless. Continue to have a good fast out there and we'll be back soon. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.